You know what happens when your body and your mind signal to you that they need rest. The way that your body signals that it needs rest is different than the way the mind does, but I'm willing to bet you know your own cues. How often do you ignore them? How often do you ignore the messages that your body is sending you? How often do you push them to the side and say, I've just got to get through this date or this project or this thing? What I want to tell you today is that pushing just that little bit more, ignoring your body's cues that it's tired or depleted, this is not how you set yourself up for success in the second half of your life. And this actually flies in the face of what we've been taught to believe. Work hard, and then you can rest in retirement. But we know that retirement, whatever that may mean when we get there, is by no means guaranteed. And that same retirement you're saving all of your pennies for, and working so hard for now, its quality is going to be greatly diminished if your physical and cognitive health have declined due to lack of paying attention to your body's cues. And yes, it's that serious. So today we're going to go back to basics, and I'm providing you with a strategy for what to do when your body is tired, and it's easy. So let's get some sleep and get moving. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about what it means to be a late Gen X or early millennial woman dipping her toes into midlife. I'm talking specifically to the woman who sees this life stage as an opportunity to reflect on her life to date and to begin the second half with intentionality and purposefulness, whatever that may mean to her. Hello. And welcome to episode 16 of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. If you are new here, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you're not new here and you haven't subscribed, what in the world? Be sure to do so. So this is actually the second time I'm recording this episode. I recorded it through earlier today. I thought I recorded it through earlier today. and was pretty chagrined to find out that there was video but no audio. So we're giving it a second go. How many times have you listened to a podcast and heard them say, we recorded the whole interview and then we realized there was no audio? Well, it was my turn today, folks. So we have had a couple of longer, sort of denser episodes in the last few weeks. This one will be shorter and hopefully pretty actionable for you. Because I'm sure that if I was feeling this way, I wasn't the only one. The way I put it is to say that my check engine light was on. Not the check engine light in my car, mind you, but the check engine light on my body. And fortunately, it was more of a time for an oil change check engine light and less of a some vital piece of hose, whatever has broken and now you're stopped by the road kind of an engine light. And I bet your first question is, but why? What happened? What had gone wrong? what were you doing that your check engine light came on? And problem solving or looking for the culprit is exactly where my mind goes to as well. I immediately started looking around in my external world and trying to identify the problem that I could solve for. Was it getting up earlier? 
Was it looking at houses or applying for mortgages and trying to decide if we should pivot and do that right now? Was it eating too much sugar? What about COVID? Because we had COVID in December and now it feels like we've gotten just about everything that's come by since. And if you listened to my last episode on the self-coaching model, perhaps you'll notice here where this problem solving is coming from. It's coming from the thought that something was wrong and I need to fix it. The first thing I want to say is that this ebb and flow, it's just part of being human. We have this idea that if we do enough personal development work, if we really figure out how to engineer our calendars and schedules just right, if we manage our minds effectively, we're going to get to a place where our check engine light doesn't come on at all. If we're strong enough, our check engine light won't come on. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. Ebbs and flows and energy and health and wellness are just part of the experience. There is no time when we will arrive at the perfectly engineered professional and personal life that allows us to coast in a state of flow. So I would urge you, when you're feeling overcooked, overwhelmed, overdone, and tired, don't make it worse by attributing meaning to it, especially meaning that sets you up as a failure in some way. Or where you get committed to the idea that there's a problem outside of you that you need to solve. Maybe there is a problem you can solve. And maybe you can also be thinking about how you can simply care for what Mary Oliver would call the soft animal of your body. Be willing to tease that out. Also, for me, this check engine light, like I said, it was the rough equivalent of an oil change. When your car needs an oil change... Is it because something has gone wrong? No. This is routine maintenance. You don't think there's a quality problem or that you bought a lemon because your car needs an oil change. But when it comes time to care for ourselves, we think we need to wait till we're broken down by the side of the road to start taking care of ourselves. This is another reason that we go right away to what happened and what went wrong. We are more comfortable, not comfortable, I would say, but we're more comfortable taking corrective action when there has been a breakdown, when there's a problem. We struggle to take corrective action to prevent a future breakdown. Can you imagine taking days off work to prevent getting sick? No, that feels indulgent. We take days off when we're good and sick and we can justify it. So how did I know that my metaphorical check engine light was on? For me, sleep is a big cue. I'll have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, and then getting up in the morning. And I feel a little overwhelmed by all I have to do and sort of an intense sense of pressure. I'm constantly surprised that one more thing is being asked of me. And my body just feels run down and not quite healthy. Uh, And I might snack more, kind of graze in the kitchen um, and eat things that I wouldn't normally eat or that are sugary or snack in ways that that I prefer not to really. And I feel like I'm catching every little bug that comes around and feeling like I have a hard time shaking it. So sort of that feeling like you're a little depleted, you can't quite kick it, and you're not as resilient as you want to be. So what are the signals for you that your check engine light has come on? Take a minute and identify those signals. And another reason problem solving doesn't really help is we're looking for a cause and we want to identify it as a problem. 
the irony of this in many cases is that it creates more that we need to do. Schedule better. Be more persistent. Buckle down. Make decisions about what goes in the high-priority box and what doesn't. And I want you to try to sort of feel those things. If you think about creating a tighter schedule, buckling down, being more persistent, setting priorities, and cutting off all of the things that can go, all that are ultimately strategies for productivity that I'm a fan of. But if you think about how these things feel, when you're already depleted, to me, they feel sort of tight. I feel a little hunched over, feel like I need to get on the conveyor belt and keep moving. And that was exactly not what I needed. I was already feeling pressure and stress and intensity. So digging in and buckling down was not going to move me forward. So what did I need? Very simply, I asked myself what I really needed. And as I think about the second half of my life, something I've talked about here before, something that is important to me is that I want to do what I need to do now to increase my chances of enjoying a long and healthy life. And I truly believe that what serves me well in the long term will actually serve me well now in the short term as well. And what's important to enjoying a long, healthy life is really two primary things that come up again and again. And I'm going to include some links to a couple podcasts in the show notes that provide you some resources on this, if this is something that you'd like to dig in on. As I've said before, I'm not a scientist, but I listen to a lot of podcasts by people who are, uh, and I find this stuff terribly interesting. So if it interests you, I'll give you some resources for that as well. And as much as they talk about all kinds of factors that contribute to health span, that is a healthy lifespan, how long will you be healthy? Two things continue to come up universally, sleep, enough and good quality and exercise. So what is riveting about exercise to me is that yes, it's for our bodies, for our arms and legs, and for cholesterol and diabetes risk, but it's also about our brain health. And by brain health, I'm talking about both cognitive health, so thinking, memory, logic, and our emotional health, our ability to regulate our mood and emotions. I suspect many of you are listening to this right now and you're thinking, ugh, I have heard this so many times. Yes, sleep and exercise. We know it's boring. And what I want to tell you is that there's a reason these are basics. And thank goodness that they are, because they are totally accessible to us, no matter what we think. So the absolute minimum baseline that I need to do to make sure I'm functioning optimally is sleeping and exercise. So this is what I have focused on the last couple of weeks, and for sure I'm noticing a difference. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that looks like and just how, frankly, little effort can move the needle, because I have definitely not done all of the things that I could do in these areas to optimize. So first, let's take a look at sleep. I've been paying attention to both the quantity and the quality of my sleep. So how much? I'm not going to try to tell you how much sleep you need. For me, I wear a whoop strap and it calculates my sleep need based on my strain during the day. So it measures stress and exertion, such as through exercise, and it tells me how long I need to spend in bed to get the amount of sleep that I need to wake up at the time that I want to. 
and I can tell it whether or not I want to meet my sleep need at 100% or 85% or I think 70. It's a great tool. I find it very helpful. And it's actually helped me to realize that I can meet my 100% sleep need with less, less than nine hours, with perhaps seven and a half hours, depending on what I've been doing. So that's been super helpful. Sleep is something that is dose dependent. So even 15 minutes helps. And what I've discovered is going to bed earlier is a joy of adulthood. So how much sleep do you need? Are you getting enough sleep? Do you routinely deprive yourself of adequate sleep? And if so, why? But it's not just about quantity. It's also about quality. And so maybe you can't move the needle on quantity, but perhaps you can consider quality. Or perhaps you have the luxury of being able to consider both. So what can you do to improve the quality of your sleep? You can shut down your mind before bed. Don't check your email right before bed and open up all these loops in your mind. How many times have you read an email that wasn't urgent and then you turn off your phone and you go to bed and you're laying there, but you're composing the email, the non-urgent email that you're going to write tomorrow morning? Or maybe you check your email and you find out about something that you do have to attend to that's urgent the next day. And so now you're going to like rush and hurry up and get to sleep so that you can deal with this thing. That never works for me. Something else you can do to improve the quality of your sleep is avoid eating close to bedtime. Digestion really impairs your sleep quality. Alcohol close to bedtime really, really impairs your sleep quality. It makes you feel sleepy, so a lot of people will like have a glass of wine so that they can relax and go to bed. But ultimately, the sleep that you're getting is very poor quality. Other things to consider are a dark and cool room. I stayed in a hotel last night, and as I flipped off the lamp, you know, I'm, I'm accustomed to like the clock on the TV or the microwave or, or the alarm clock being light and kind of turning those things away so they don't disturb me. I turned out the lamp, and the room was illuminated by the thermostat. It was the brightest thing I had encountered in a hotel room so far. So I got up and hung a piece of clothing over it because I knew that would disrupt me in the middle of the night, and it wasn't worth it. Something else you can consider is going to bed at a really relatively consistent time. And you may not be able to do all of those things, but perhaps you can spin the dial and do some of those things in little increments in order to improve the quality or the duration of your sleep. Because sleep allows you to consolidate all that has occurred during the day and to show up appropriately the next day. It helps with memory and learning critical thinking, and with emotional regulation. It's also extremely hard for your body to lose weight without adequate sleep. And it's hard for you to regulate your moods and emotions. So consider this. If you have a cognitively intense job that requires you to think and manage details, and you're not getting enough sleep night after night, you're really diminishing your ability to show up effectively at your job. So not only is that a drain on you, but it's actually a drain on your organization as well. And I think this is something that really isn't considered very often. But I don't really have to argue with myself about getting enough sleep. I know that that's important. And in fact, I probably fall on the other extreme where I worry all the time that I'm not getting enough sleep. 
And this is where the whoop is helpful for me because it does give me actual data. But I do struggle with insomnia. So there are things that I do to deliberately improve my quality of sleep. If I'm traveling and I can't control the time that I eat dinner, I can choose to have a lighter meal. I can forgo a drink. And certainly, it's well within my control to ensure that I don't go back to the hotel room and check email. And as I've told you, if there are lights in the hotel room, I'm going to cover them up and I'm going to make sure that thermostat is turned down. But then when I'm at home, we eat dinner pretty early. We prefer to eat dinner before dark, although the time's about to change. So that probably won't happen realistically. All right, let's talk about exercise a little bit. So again, this is about brain health. More than the health of your physical body for these purposes, although yes, of course that too. Your brain needs blood to pump through it. So what I'm talking about here in terms of exercise is really low-intensity cardio. That's what I've been doing the last couple of weeks that I've really noticed an effect from, but I'm also going to include a link to a podcast about the importance of strength training for brain health. It is fascinating. And it's my next step, but I'm not there yet. So we're just going to talk about what I'm doing here. So what I'm talking about, again, low-intensity cardio. If you measure your heart rate, this would be really like zone two training. So fat burning or maybe a little bit above that. This could be walking, jogging, rowing, cycling, really whatever works for you. But what I would suggest is to think about how you can decrease the barriers to entry. You can decrease the excuses that keep you from doing it. So what are your barriers? Mine have been things like changing clothes, having the right shoes, needing to shower, going somewhere like having to drive to a gym, or thinking that I need to do it for a minimum amount of time to make it worth it. So how can you eliminate or reduce the barriers? Walking tends to be easy because you can do it from anywhere. You can walk out your front door. You can walk out the front door of your office. Maybe if you're working in other locations, you can walk out the front door there. I also suggest really reducing your expectations for the amount of time that it takes to make it worth it. I was on a business trip a week ago and I got outside for 13 minutes one morning and it was about 40 something degrees. I watched the sunrise. It wasn't very long, but it was enough time to get my heart rate up and I loved the cold. It felt good. And it was just completely and entirely worth it for me, both physically and you know mentally and emotionally. And it had the benefit of exposing my eyes to sunlight early in the morning, which we've talked about on other episodes is good for you. So something else that I've done is lowering my expectations for showering after a walk. And I can't believe I'm sharing this publicly, but it's been game changing. So I'm sharing it with you. Do whatever it takes to make you comfortable, right? But think about ways that maybe you could get away with a little less having to shower or primp or whatever you need to do after something like a walk. So if it's a walk and it's not a run, maybe you're less sweaty. So maybe that's more tolerable and it doesn't matter as much. Or maybe you pick up some of those, like I think they're called shower in a box or something. It's like one of the makeup remover wipes for your whole body. Or just take a very brief walkthrough shower. Something that allows you to walk then take 10 minutes or so and you're ready to go back to work if that's what you need. And it may gross you out. But I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. And even this week, it has brought me more minutes of walking that I would have missed out on because I had places to be after each of my walks. What I like to do, if, if I can optimally, 
is 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. Some days that works, but I have to be very, very flexible because I'm, you know, I'm the type of person who wants to have a streak, right? I don't want to miss times. And if I do, well, then maybe it's not worth it again. Well, that's ridiculous. So some days I do a 20 minute segment and just do one and that's fine. That morning I told you about, I was out there for 13 minutes, totally worth it. Some days I'm able to do 40 or 60 minutes and I really love those. Um, But that's certainly not every day. It's just not something that I feel like I can budget in at this point. Also, I really like to be outside. For me, that's sort of a double win. But again, the days are getting shorter. So I'll be on the treadmill. Certainly traveling, definitely on the treadmill. So use the treadmill if that makes it easy for you. If I have to choose between sleep and exercise, I really try not to. I try to split the difference because I believe both are really important. I would suggest also that you really pay attention and give yourself credit for what you're doing. We've talked in a previous episode about soaking in the good. So pay attention to what you're doing. Remind yourself that you're taking care of yourself and you're getting additional sleep or you're getting blood moving through your body and your brain. I like to do this by really noticing how my body feels after exercise, noticing the tingling and sort of exertion feeling in my limbs from the exertion, also perhaps from the temperature outside. What do you notice about how you feel when you exercise? So for some of you, I bet your brain is flipping out right now and telling you, you don't have time for this. And, it, and it's too easy and couldn't possibly help. And what I want to offer you is that taking care of yourself is the harder choice. It's particularly interesting because I'm, I'm looking at a busy and stressful week that I have coming up. And I know what's likely to get trimmed out of my day is exercise. The work comes first. So putting in a walk at the beginning or the end of the day, a good night's sleep during peak times, we really think of these types of things as indulgences. I'm going to argue it's actually when we need to focus on getting the most sleep and getting our exercise in the most to take care of ourselves. Because sleep and exercise, they improve how I show up in my life the very next day. And in truth, A nice walk probably improves how I show up in the next couple of hours. And they also provide protection for me as I'm moving forward in my life, setting me up so that I'm doing what I can to be healthy as I continue to move forward into my second half. So I would ask you this, how is it that we have come to view sleep and exercise, these essential functions Two things that are foundational for a healthy life, both now and in our future. How have we come to view sleep and exercise as luxuries? It's interesting because we tell ourselves that taking care of ourselves, the people who take care of themselves, they're taking an easy way out. We might even think it's lazy. It's kind of like playtime. We think it's less responsible. This is what less motivated people do, people who are less driven. Those of us who are responsible know that we just have to keep going and get through it. But you know what? I disagree. The harder choice is to not keep pushing. The harder choice is to to go against your perfectionism, your conditioning, 
your desire to please, your desire to be an A-plus student and take care of yourself. The harder choice is to let someone else misunderstand you or misjudge you. To let someone else disapprove. The harder choice is to come face-to-face with your own disapproval, your own need to hustle for your worthiness. Come on, tell me when you feel like there is just so much to be done for your kids, for your house, for your job, for your other interests. Tell me how many of you have thoughts like, I just need to buckle down. I just need to get through this. This isn't going to be forever. It's just so many more weeks. Here's the reality though, and you know this looking back. That to-do list that you're waiting to get to the end of, you're not going to get to the end of it. Something will always be added to it. The end of the semester that you see approaching like it's the light at the end of the tunnel? Maybe. But dare I ask what your January looks like? This is one of those times where we can't wait for things outside of us to change for us to feel better. It's up to us to prioritize our own well-being because no one else will do it for us. Now, it's actually going to serve not only you, but your family, your organization, and the people around you, in addition to serving you well. But it is an act of courage to take care of yourself. So take stock of how you're feeling, and before you begin feeling run down and behind, start thinking about what you can do, how you can integrate sleep and exercise to ensure that you are doing what you can do to keep yourself healthy. And if you have a particularly busy period or a few days coming up, prioritize your sleep and your exercise during those times. You'll be more likely to keep yourself healthy and show up as your best self. So go to Stephanie Lee Coaching forward slash episode 16 and find not only the show notes for this episode, but a worksheet with some questions that'll allow you to give some more thought to what we've talked about today. The link is in the description of whatever app you're listening or watching on. And thank you for sticking with me through the 16th episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. And this is the second recorded version. I do hope that you'll join me back here on your favorite podcast player or YouTube for our next episode. Wherever you listen, please do like and subscribe and tell your friends. And if you're enjoying it, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others to find the show. Have a great week. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye.